0: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Welcome to the 1,250th episode of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. Uh, if you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. And also, I do want to remind you, if you'd like to support the show, go to support.greatdetectives.net. Well, uh, we've got a couple of uh, programs we're going to bring you. First, about a nine-minute clip, and then we'll get into, our, uh, as they would say on a DVD, a feature presentation, the big 30-minute show. Uh, and we'll have details on that series in just a few minutes. But first I'd like to talk to you about team-ups. When I was growing up, uh there was uh, I was a huge fan of the Nancy Drew files. The new Nancy Drew books being put out in the late 80s and into the 90s. The one thing I liked more than the Nancy Drew files was the Hardy Boys case files. And the one thing I liked more than the Hardy Boys case files was the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Super mysteries. To say... Your favorite characters from different stories coming together. It's a very unique thrill, particularly when it's done right, so it's not happening like every uh, week or every uh, book. And it's become more common as time's gone on. Certainly uh, in superheroes, crossover's pretty regular thing. Detectives are not so much just because they tend to be individual performers. This did not happen a whole lot during the golden age of radio. Or in most other uh, genres. However, today I'm very pleased to bring you a little comedy sketch. And again, remember, it's a comedy sketch featuring the actors who played the thin man, Casey... Uh, crime photographer and Sam Spade, along with Colin Doyle, crime doctor, detective series. It's a little bit, uh, subpar in my opinion. The host of Inner Sanctum and Dr. Christian, who's wasn't a detective at all, but they kind of, uh, needed to squeeze him in. This is from Stars in the Afternoon, which was a 90 minute program I stumbled across in my search for, uh, radio programmings. Uh, radio programs, excuse me, featuring the great Jimmy Durante. This uh, was a program in which CBS showcased all the talent it would be offering in the course of its fall lineup. And they actually had two separate one and a half pro- hour programs they did. And they gave a lot of these comedy and music acts uh, a lot of play. The big problem you run into in a situation like that is wanting to showcase uh, detective stories and uh, other type of programs that don't uh, lend themselves to a you know three to t- uh, six minute uh, skit. So they came up with something clever. While certainly the way the characters are written are not exactly true to their radio presentation, it's still a trait to see so many uh, actors who play great detectives featured sort of in character. So, uh, here is a nine-minute clip from Stars in the Afternoon, original air date, September 22nd of 1946.
2: Calling all stars. Calling all stars. Crime doctor. The host of Inner Sanctum, Sam Spade, Casey, crime photographer. The thin man, wake up and go at once to the home of Edward Disbukes Mayhoff, wealthy sportsman whose life has been threatened. Hurry on over, if you don't hurry, it'll be all over. Over. Yes, yes. Who is it? Doctor Ordway, the crime doctor. Let me in. Oh, Doctor Ordway, I'm glad you're here. Read this, this note I got. Note? Yes, yes. They're going to kill me. They're after me. Save me. Help me, Dr. Ardwell. Please be God, Mr. Mayhardt. Just a moment now. Let me read it. Nothing you can do will save you. You will be killed tonight at midnight. <laughs> midnight. <laughs> and it's 23 minutes to 12 now. Don't let them save me. I'm too young to die. How old are you, Mr. Mayhaw? 86. 86 going on. 87, I hope. Well, I hope so too. <laughs> now this should be very easy to solve. First, you must answer a few questions. Oh, anything, anything! But we must it hurry. It's nineteen minutes to twelve. Ask me anything. Well, uh, first, who sent this note? Who said it? Yes, it's not signed. Very untidy way of doing business. <laughs> Just a note that someone's going to kill you and nothing more. <laughs> no signature, no date, no corpse. <laughs> come, come, Mister Mayoff. I must say you're not being very cooperative. Well, I'm sorry, Doctor Ordway. I, I know there should have been more clues, but uh, I only got the note a half an hour ago. I didn't know what I was doing. My life was at stake. A flimsy excuse. Well, I, I didn't know which way to turn. I, I called every detective I could think of. Why aren't they here? Oh, there's somebody now. Seventeen minutes left. Yes, yes. Who is it? How do you do, Mr. Mayoff? I'm Nick Charles, the thin man. Oh. This is my wife, Nora. Nora, darling. This is Mr. Uh, uh,
0: How do you do, Mr. Mayhoff? Oh. <laughs> excuse me. I'm so sleepy.
2: I beg your pardon, madam. This is Mr. Mayhoff. I'm Dr. Ordway. Not the crime doctor, to say. And Laura, darling, is Dr. Ordway, the crime doctor we listen to every Sunday night.
0: Uh, do we? Yes,
2: of course, baby. Dr. Ordway is the man who helps the police solve all those difficult crimes by brilliant deductions. Oh, yes. Yeah. But isn't it strange, Nick? He's never been able to catch Johnny breaking into those thousands of store windows he's always coming out of. <laughs> Oh, so nice to see you, Doctor. Mind if I lie down? I'm so sleepy. Not at all. I hardly knew you with your eyes open. <laughs> Please, it's it's fifteen minutes to twelve. My life is at stake. This this note I got. got the note? Yeah, yes, Mister Mayor? Yeah, yeah, the, the note threatening my life. Uh, Doctor Hardway has it. Here, Nick, have a look. Mm. What do you make of it? Nothing can help you. You die at midnight. Hmm. Who sent this? Who sent it? I don't know. Don't know who sent it? No. No date, no signature. Come, come, Mr. Mayo. Exactly what I told him, Nick. If people must get threatening letters, the least they can do is supply us with some clue or other. Yes, you're so right, Dr. Ordway. Always making it as difficult as <laughs> possible. <laughs> you, 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 14... Reminds of me 12. of the case we had a year ago last sponsor. Or was it the sponsor before that? Nora, darling, what sponsor was that? Oh,
3: please, Nick.
2: Oh, yes, it's the sponsor of 1944. It was a late autumn night. The options were just beginning to fall. We had a client like this hapless man here. It's
0: 13. <laughs> and this well, man that's a unlucky
2: note that he was going to be killed at nine o'clock. Why is it twelve uh, o'clock? This is a specific host time for the repeat broadcast. By the way, do you ever repeat yeah. broadcast, Dr. Ordway? Oh yes. Yes, yeah, keeps me up frightfully late. I'm awfully sleepy, Nikki does. Oh yes, baby. Well anyway, when this man called me about the note, we took every precaution. We bolted the doors, barricaded the windows. Oh, we had police on every foot of ground around the apartment. The police doors, electric eyes, burglar alarms. Every precaution known to criminology was taken to see that this man would not be killed at 9 o'clock. Yes, Mr. Charles. What happened to the man? He was killed. Okay. Uh, but until 10 o'clock. We had all gone home. He we were dead tired. He was dead and <laughs> we were tired. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nick, darling, please. Twelve minutes to twelve. Won't somebody do something? <laughs> well, Mr. Mayoff, I'm Casey, crime photographer. Oh, hold it. Thank you. Look for it in the morning. Express. Oh, please, Mr. Casey, will you please do something? Uh, I got this note. They're going to kill me at midnight. Midnight? <laughs> Can't wait till midnight. we go got to press at once. Play dead. I'll take one more. But I don't want to lie down on the floor. Well, take this couch. Uh, oh. oh, hello, beautiful. <laughs> I'll take one of you, too. Excuse me, Flash. I'm Nick Charles, the thin man. This is my wife, Nora. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Charles. Oh, hi. I listen to you every Friday night. I should have known that was you lying there, Mrs. Charles. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Rodway, the crime doctor. Well, glad to know you, doctor. I listen to you on Sunday nights. Thank you. Well, won't anybody say they listen to me on Thursday nights? <laughs> won't anybody listen to me tonight?
0: <laughs> I'm going
2: to be killed at midnight. Eleven more minutes. Well, it's quite a gathering of the crime craft. It's a different friendly. quite a gathering. All we need now is Sam Spade. My name is Sam Spade. Where's the body? Oh, Mr. Spade. I'm so glad you came. But there's no body here. Nobody here? No. What are these people doing here? Oh, Mr. Spade, my name is Dr. Rodway. This is Nick Charles and his wife, Nora. This is Casey, the crime photographer. We've all been called in on the case. Get going, you guys. I work alone. But Mr.
0: Spade, in
2: nine minutes I'm going to be killed. Nine minutes? Okay, I'll be back. Have a check ready. Oh, I'll give you anything, Mr. Spade. I'll, I'll give you any, anything, anything, only save me. Here, here, read this note. Read it. Look, no look. notes. I want cash. What? But... <laughs> Keep it up. I'm going to be killed at 12 o'clock. Well, let's get it over with. <laughs> I got my own broadcast to make tonight. Hold it. Thank you, Mr. Spade. Look for it in the morning express. Reminds me of a case we had sponsored before last. Remember, Nora? And- Nicky, it's late. I'm getting sleepier by the minute. Yes, Nicky, it's three minutes to 12. I'm sleeping. i need. Mean- do
0: something, for me. Do something. It's me. <coughs> yes? Who is it? Come in.
2: Good evening, friends. <laughs> oh. oh, it's... It's, uh, it's the host from Inner Sanctum. What? No blood? you are just... you are just in time. Just in time for murder, I hope. Uh, don't rush me. I've still got two minutes.
0: <laughs> and what's
2: the inner sanctum host doing here? He's no detective. Doesn't even know enough to oil the hinges on his door. Oh, it's Mr. Charles, the Sinatra of the Sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Host? Dracula of the detectives, call off of the killer cycle, vampire of the vacuum tubes, Bluebeard of the batteries, and tomboy of television become? Flatterer... Now, how's business down at your creek joint these Monday nights, Mr. Host? Oh, gory be, we're 'em. Love to have you down some Monday night. Uh-huh. Would you like me for dinner? Mm uh-huh. hmm. On toast. <laughs> please, 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 fellas, just a few more seconds. Can't any of you do anything? Save me!
0: They got me! They.
2: Oh! It don't fall, but... Thank you. Look for it in the morning express. <laughs>
0: call now.
2: Oh, 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 oh. oh blood. Goody. Murder. Well, he won't need me here anymore. Anything you say may be held against you. Uh, just a minute, Dr. Ordway. How do we know he's dead? Get a doctor. Let's make sure the corpus is delecti. Somebody looking for a doctor? I'm Dr. Christian. Oh, come in, Dr. Christian. I hear you every Wednesday night. How's Judy? She's fine, thank you. And how is Mrs. Charles? Sleeping any better? Oh, she's doing fine, thanks. That's good. <clears throat> That'll be five dollars. <laughs> five dollars? Well, that's you say my five wa- dollars? Yeah, that's my regular fee for calling on the safe. What's your regular fee for calling on the dead? I'm sorry, I don't understand. We think your patient is dead. So fast? Uh I just got here. We think he was dead before we called you. My fee is still $5. Well, there's a chance he may not be dead. And if I find he's not, he'll pay you the $5. Here he is. Very well. No pulse, no heartbeat, no blood. He's dead, isn't he, Doc? Not necessarily. (laughs) What do you mean? If a man has no pulse, no heartbeat, no blood, he's dead. That has been disproven. Who disproved it? Frank Sinatra.
1: Welcome back. Probably the uh, most out of character uh, portrayal was Dr. Christian, who was exactly the opposite about money. But they were just having some fun, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you do have the app or the premium site, we will go ahead and post the whole version of Stars in the Afternoon for those of you who are curious to hear all of the music and comedy that was pumped into that 90-minute show. It was really quite impressive. Well, now we turn to our main feature, and that is The Chase. Uh, The Chase was an NBC uh, dramatic uh, anthology series. And and in many ways, uh, I compare it to Escape, maybe a little bit like Suspense. Um, And it introduced this theme of chasing or being chased. And uh, the result was often mystery intrigue and excitement. And uh, the, today's episode uh, one of the uh, earlier entries in the series, the fourth episode in fact is a great example of a good episode of the chase The chase did not have the big name stars of a lot of the earlier uh, golden Age anthology shows but I think they quit themselves quite well here and I hope you will enjoy today's episode the original air date uh, was May the 8th of 1950. 195- uh, two. The title is, Elliot Preston is framed for murder.
4: The National Broadcasting Company invites you by transcription to join the chase. In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase?
5: It was all very simple, really, and yet so complex. A nightmare with partial overtones. The laugh, dear chap, was on me. I must confess, I failed to find it amusing. I remember meeting Noreen in a Soho pub. Our reunions were brief at that time, and clandestine. We were very much like two frightened mice, snatching moments of comfort together while the tomcat slept, and scurrying to cover when the beast would stir. It's degrading, unwholesome, and I had made up my mind to put an end to it.
6: Uncle Alfred will never agree, Elliot.
5: Why shouldn't he agree? I I don't understand it. What does he have against me, Noreen?
6: I don't know. He's never really given me a decent explanation. I suppose he's a snob. He'd like me to marry someone prominently listed in Burke's peerage, I imagine. Mm,
5: Some doddering old fool he could boast about.
6: And play chess with. You're much too young and attractive for my guardian, darling. Besides, you don't like chess.
5: Do you love me, Noreen? Madly. Would you prefer an earl or a duke?
6: I wouldn't exchange the House of Lords for Uh, your little finger. Well,
5: then that settles it.
6: That settles what?
5: I'm going to have it out with Sir Alfred today. He'll either grant permission for our marriage or I'll know the reason why.
6: No, Elliot. I'm afraid.
5: Afraid? Oh, no. Come on. Afraid of what?
6: Uncle Alfred's such a beastly temper... You can be rather touchy yourself at times. I don't want any unpleasantness, darling. Particularly for you.
5: Oh, there'll be no unpleasantness. I'll simply put it to him just like that. A good reason for standing between us or stop meddling in our affairs. But, Elliot... Now, don't argue, darling. My mind's made up. Is he at home now?
6: Yes, he should be. Well, then
5: I'm off to be at the lion. Wish me luck. (laughs) Ainsley House was near Grosvenor Square, a rather large, forbidding place that had been fashionable in the Edwardian era. I, I never liked it to begin with. And it took on an even stronger aura of seediness and disrepair as I stood before the door on the verge of what would be a sordid and uncomfortable scene at best with Noreen's legal guardian. There was no answer to my ring, which I repeated several times. I was rather disappointed. Now that I had made my resolution, I wanted to have done with it. It soon became apparent that the house was empty, and I reluctantly started to turn away. It was at that point I first noticed the blood on the outer doorknob. I realized then that the door was ajar, and as I pushed it open and stepped inside the narrow hall, I had a premonition and a sudden, almost overpowering impulse to flee. At that moment, I reached Sir Alfred Ainsley's drawing room and saw him sprawled out on the floor near the telephone with a 12-inch carving knife protruding from his chest. Yes? Elliot? Yes, Noreen? I had to
6: call. I was worried about you and Uncle
5: Alfred. What? Uh, where are you calling from? The back this near Trafalgar Square. Is anyone with you? No, I... You sound... Sometimes... Come over to your uncle's house immediately. And say nothing to anyone. What's happened, Elliot? Something frightful. Hurry, Noreen. My first thought, of course, was to notify the police. Some instinct made me hesitate. Instead, I decided to make a thorough check of the body and the room. And what I subsequently discovered was enough for me to thank my lucky stars that I hadn't called the authorities.
6: Uncle Alfred. It's horrible.
5: I found him lying here like that just before you phoned Well? Well, what? Do you believe me?
6: Believe you? Darling, darling, do you think for one moment that I even imagined you could do a thing like this?
5: Perhaps you'll change your mind, Noreen, after you see what I'm going to show you.
6: What are you saying, Elliot?
5: Can you stand looking at him any closer? I'll try. Come over here. Here's his outstretched hand. Can you make out what he's clutching in his fingers, Noreen?
6: Looks like a piece of silk.
5: Part of a necktie, ripped from the bottom.
6: A necktie?
5: Mine, I mean, What? It was a particular pattern, very unusual. Come here to this desk for a moment. I, I want to show you something else.
6: What is it, Elliot?
5: There's a letter here, evidently written by your uncle before his death. It's in plain enough view, isn't it? Well? well the letter warns me in no uncertain terms to keep away from you refers to me as a hot-headed scoundrel and suggests that I'll be turned over to the police if I cause any further trouble. Furthermore, the knife now embedded in Sir Alfred's chest came from my kitchen, Noreen. Elliot! I can recognize it by the nick and the handle. I only bought it a little over a week ago. On top of that, I found a second note, presumably from my own pen, threatening your uncle with violence. I shouldn't be surprised if I even found my own fingerprints on the walls, the furniture and the weapon itself. What does it mean? It means that I'm being made the goat in a diabolical plot. Someone has deliberately and brilliantly planted enough evidence against me in this room to send me to the hangman. No! The necktie was stolen from my flat. I I missed it several days ago. The kitchen knife was also stolen.
6: But the letters...
5: Your uncle wrote his, no doubt about that. Mine was cleverly forged. Frankly, I I couldn't tell the difference myself if I hadn't known I didn't write it. Some genius has gone to great pains to arrange a tight little frame around my neck, Noreen. It was a hangman's noose. I don't know. I'd better find him before the police find me.
6: We could destroy the evidence.
5: I doubt if that would help. It was planned too cleverly and it's probably just the beginning. There must be more of it around the house. Perhaps hidden in my rooms. Or sent to the police. Besides, I was seen coming in here just now. By whom? Sir Alfred's neighbor. He was leaving his house as I rang his bell. He had a good look at me. What
6: shall we do, Elliot?
5: In spite of all the evidence and... Everything? You, you still believe I'm innocent?
6: Darling, I, I love you. Isn't that enough?
5: I'm, I'm sorry about Sir Alfred.
6: That doesn't matter now, Elliot. I, I was fond of him, in spite of his pomposity. really thought he did everything that was best for me. But he's dead, Elliot, and you're alive and in great danger.
5: Where can I start? and even begin to look for this villainous cutthroat, why, why should I have been made the scapegoat? Who is he? Where is he?
6: Elliot. Shall I answer it?
5: I don't know. Wait, let me. Are you there? Yes? Sir Alfred Ainsley, please. Who's calling? I'm a secretary. This is Palmer's travel agency. Sir Alfred wished to book two seats on the boat train to Paris at eight this evening, on the Orient Express to Zurich. Two seats? Yes. We booked them, and he can pick them up at Victoria Station. I'll tell him, thank you. Were you supposed to go to Switzerland with your Uncle Noreen? I oh, know. Did he mention the prospect of a trip to you? No. He's booked two seats. Who would his companion be?
6: I can't imagine it. Unless... Unless what? There's been something mysterious going on concerning Uncle Alfred and another man. don't know his name. Uncle Alfred's been very busy for the past few weeks. Quite unusual. I mean, well, with what I took to be business matters.
5: Sir Alfred retired two years ago.
6: Yes, I know. I... In spite of that, he's been conferring with someone regularly. I asked him about it once and he seemed to be taken aback. I remember he was short with me and told me to mind my own affairs.
5: There's one chance, Noreen. One in a million.
6: Chance of what?
5: That this business acquaintance may turn out to be the man we want. if he is, he may make use of one of those tickets. To get away? Possibly. Grasping for a straw, I know, but I have nothing else to cling to.
6: In any case... You use one of those tickets, you can leave the country.
5: Uh, yes, I thought of that too. If I'm picked up now, I, I won't have a chance. At least this will give me a breathing space and something may turn up.
6: You think you can evade the police, Elliot? Even for a while?
5: No, follow me, there's no question about it. Meanwhile, I'll be chasing someone else. The man who killed your uncle. Then it becomes a question of who catches up with whom first.
6: <gasps> Elliot! Service door, in the rear, quickly. What about you? Never mind about me. They can't hold me for anything. Don't argue, Elliot. It may be the police run, darling.
5: Call the Hotel Alpen in Zurich and ask for Noel Darnley. Perhaps you can join me later, darling. Wish me luck. The seats were reserved in the first-class compartment, numbers one and three facing each other. I'd left ticket number three at the station for my companion. When I entered the train, the compartment was empty, but just before departure time, my fellow passengers arrived. The first to enter was a woman, an American, evidently judging by her clothes. And the second was an elderly gentleman who supported himself with a cane. I watched this chap from the corner of my eye, wondering if he was my quarry. Just as the train started to move, a burly fellow with a pipe in his mouth walked into the compartment and settled himself in seat number three. I beg your pardon. I.
3: Do you have a match? Match? I think so. Now, where... I hear they be by gum.
5: The accent was Yorkshire. The hands were large, Eyes were bulgy and the jowls hung loose. The thing I noticed that made my heart take an extra beat was the small automatic revolver tucked inside a shoulder holster, revealed for a fraction of a second as his coat bulged open when he leaned over to offer me a light.
3: Hey, terrible. Sir? he a crime wave in the news. By gum, it's terrible. Another chop was done in last night, butchered like a bloody goose. You mean... A murder? Aye. They caught really killer, though. Turned out to be poor man's business partner. What's this country coming to, I wonder? I wonder too. Well <laughs> I'll be away from it all in a day or two, resting myself in a little chalet where a man can find some peace and quiet. You you're on a holiday? Aye, first one in two years. In
5: Switzerland, I take it.
3: How do you know that?
5: You mentioned a chalet.
3: Ah, so I did.
5: But it's more likely it'll be a small
3: hotel. I don't think I can afford to rent a house of my own.
5: Well, uh... Where are you bound for in Switzerland?
3: Zurich. And then? Interlaken. I've always wanted to see the Rudy Jungfrau. My name's Spy, by the way. Herbert Spy. Mine's...
5: Darnley. Noel Darnley. Yeah, Darnley, eh? Oh. Something... Wrong, Mr. Spy. Wrong? Uh, with my name?
3: Nothing wrong with the Chappie, as far as I can see. You on holiday, too?
5: Uh, not precisely, enough Business? Oh, less
3: Switzerland? Yes. Ah, maybe we'll run into each other. I hope so, Mr. Spy. Yes, yeah. funny. What if? I could almost swear I've seen you somewhere before. No. I, I don't think with me. You live in London? Yes. You? My home is in Yorkshire, but I've been living in London now for some time. I see. Here, 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 here. What's that on your coat? My coat? Here, on the bottom. Looks like a
5: speck of blood. Oh, uh, that That's paint. Paint? Yeah, I, I was touching a piece of pottery in my flat. I, I must have brushed against the paint pot. Oh, oh. Excuse me. Leaving? Uh, I... I want to get a drink of water.
3: I'll go along with you. I can stand a drop myself. Pardon, ma'am. I'll just push through. Here we are. After you, Mr. Spy. This train's got a rock to it like a ruddy board. Uh,
5: the, uh, the water corrupts at the end of the car.
3: Wow! Yeah, look at this. Huh? The train door is open. Some fool forgot to shut it. A man could kill himself by falling through that hole. Yes, it's it's, it's dangerous. It reminds me of that poor Frenchman. What Frenchman? Oh, you must have read about him. He was travelling on the Paris Express when he was pushed through an open train door. That's right. It was murder, no question about it. Who pushed him? Nobody knows. They say, they say he learned too much. About what? Oh, a little affair that took place in Montmartre. Girl was killed and he knew something about it. They followed the poor lad and shoved him out just as the train went into tunnel. <laughs> How horrible. Wasn't much left of him when they picked him up. Yes, 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 I can imagine. If you lean over a bit, you can close that door. No. No, thank you. What's well, trouble? It, it makes me a little ill to look out this way. Yeah, yeah, let me, laddie. Yeah, that's better. Much. Well, here's our drink. Thank you. Oh, by God, water tastes like it's been run through coal mine.
5: Shall we go back to the compartment? Come along. Here we
3: are. Is this right number? Yes, of course. Odd. Now, what did I do with my ticket? Oh, pardon me, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. Now, uh, let's have a look at that ticket of mine. Seems to me... There's
5: something in the matter, Mr. Spur.
3: What was your name again, Chappy? Donley. Noel Donley. So you said
5: before. He looked suspicious for a moment. I wondered if he could actually read my mind. Then I saw him glance up above my head to my suitcase on the luggage rack, where the initials, plain enough to see, were E.T. (laughs) Darnley. From that point on, he buried himself in his paper, while I fixed my eyes on the darkness rushing by my window. But I overplayed my hand so early in the game, And after an interval, the train roared into a tunnel as black as the darkest pit. And when we emerged into the gathering twilight, Mr. Herbert's spy, newspaper, pipe and baggage, was gone. Are you there? Is this London? Elliot,
6: where are you calling
5: from, darling? Uh, Paris. I'm just about to board the Orient Express. Well, I think I found my man, Norina. I lost him on the boat train, and I picked him up again on the platform when the train reached Paris. I, I'm staying close to him now, although he doesn't know it. I, I can see him from here, waiting at the gate for the train to Zurich.
6: I'm going to join you, darling, in Switzerland.
5: How, how are things getting on? Awful.
6: It's been spread all over the papers. I've been questioned twice. I I didn't know exactly where you were, and they released me. Will you stay in Zurich, Elliot?
5: Uh, no, I, I'm going on to Interlaken.
6: I'll find you there.
5: Are you sure you want to come? If I'm caught and you're with me... I
6: don't care. I can't stay here alone any longer. I want to share the danger with you, darling. I love
5: you so. The train gate's opened. I'd better go. Be careful you're not followed when you leave. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. And wish me luck. I was careful not to let him see me on the way to Zurich, and when we changed trains for Interlaken, I rode once again in a different car. I was right behind him a few hours later as he entered the door to the Hotel Joch, perched like a birdhouse on a hill, with a mighty Jungfrau as a backdrop. An omen of terror against the sky. Guten Abend. Guten Abend. Do you speak English? Uh, Sprechen Sie English? Yeah, a little. You wish a room? Please.
3: We have something here which is very nice. The view is excellent.
5: May I have your register? The name above mine was Herbert Spies. They'd given him room number 12. I asked for 10 across the hall. Then wondered what my next move was going to be. I found that decision wasn't mine to make some 20 minutes later as I finished unpacking my bag. Come
3: in. Mr. Spy, I believe. Aye, Mr. Spy. This is a
5: coincidence.
3: Is it? Well, I mean, running into each other this way. You've been following me. Oh,
5: no. uh,
3: It's not quite true. Don't lie, Bygum. I let you trot along behind me just to see how far you'd go. Now, watch your game, Chuppy. What's yours? Mine. I'm on holiday. So am I. Now, look here. Why are you sticking to me like a ruddy plaster, chubby? And why are you trying to run away? Run away? Me? You left your compartment seat in the boat train to Paris. Of course I did. The seat wasn't mine. I'd made a ruddy mistake, that's what. My reservation was put to the car.
5: Then I'm sorry, Mr. Spy. Sorry? For what? For making a nuisance of myself. I mistook you for someone else, someone I've been searching for. I assure you I won't annoy you again. You just make
3: certain of that, Chappy. That's all I've got to say.
5: I was more convinced than ever now that spy was my man. My time was growing short. I had to locate my evidence before Scotland Yard located me. There's a room. Perhaps there might be Something. She didn't leave it for the next 12 hours, and by the time Noreen arrived, I was getting a bit nervy. You're quite sure no one followed you, Noreen? Positive. And, and the London papers, what do they say?
6: You've been marked, Elliot. There doesn't seem to be any question in their minds that...
5: that... I'm set for the news.
6: Darling, we've got to do something. Yes, well,
5: I intend to. Spy's our man, I'm sure of it. He carries a gun. He does? In his room, his luggage, there may be evidence, but... Sticking so close to it, I can't break in.
6: I'll get him out, darling.
5: You? Oh. A
6: woman can manage those things one way or another.
5: I I I don't want you getting mixed up with spy, Noreen. It's too dangerous.
6: He's across the hall.
5: Yes, but Noreen. Wait here. I suppose you'd say I was a cad, letting the girl I love risk her safety for me. I had no choice. Besides, I was nearby in the room across the hall if she needed help.
6: He's gone, Elliot. The room's empty.
5: oh fool I was not to force the issue before this.
6: It's not too late. I know where he's gone.
5: Where?
6: Jungfraujoch. There's a hotel near the summit. One of the porters told me I met him in the hall. Jungfraujoch.
5: You Wait here, my darling.
6: You're going to follow him up the mountain?
5: There's no choice. It's his life now or mine. I'm going to see this through clear to the finish. Wish me luck. It's 11,000 feet straight up to the Jungfrau. You're carted to the top by the highest rack railway in the world. The scenery is magnificent if you're enjoying it as a tourist, but one has little time for landscapes when one's very life depends upon the trip. It was four hours to the summit. When I arrived, I had a bit of luck. As I was signing the register at the only hotel, I saw a spy walk into the restaurant for his dinner. I knew this was my chance to search his room. A pound note to the concierge procured me a passkey. A few minutes later, I was going through his luggage with a fine tooth comb. Spy. There's no need for that revolver, Mr. Spy. No. We can discuss this thing quietly.
3: How would you like to talk it over with a constable?
5: Don't try to bluff me, Spy. Huh? You wouldn't turn me over to a constable, and you know it. And why not? Because you murdered Sir Alfred Ainsley, I what? You killed him and arranged things so they'd hold me for the crime.
3: You must be young Elliot Preston.
5: Why? Why did you choose me? We never even met before. How in the name of heaven were you able to steal those things from my flat and... and ...forge a note in my name? Preston, you're a fool. Am I? You shouldn't have run away. No. What would you have preferred me to do? Take your place on the scaffold?
3: Can you read, German? Oh,
5: what's that got to do with it?
3: You might have read the evening paper with the latest London news. I saw it while I was having me dinner. What news? You've been cleared. Cleared? The good thing for you, I took my holiday before Sir Alfred's murder was printed in papers. Otherwise, my friend, I'd have put you in handcuffs before that train left the London rail yard.
5: Handcuffs? Uh, you mean you're an officer? Scotland Yard
3: and Chappie. I am on a holiday. A bossman's holiday, it appears to me now. Oh. But you said I was cleared. How? Oh. What? Why? Simple enough. They managed to find the real killer. They haven't made an arrest yet, but they're getting close. And, uh,
5: Who are they looking for?
3: Why, it...
5: <gasps> Mr. Spy. All the shots came from behind me, and as he crumpled like a sack of flour right before my eyes, I wheeled to face the open door. She stepped into the room, the gun still smoking in her hand. Noreen!
6: Yes, darling. I'm so sorry.
5: Noreen. It was you.
6: Yes, darling.
5: You killed your uncle. And then arranged it so they'd look for me.
6: Too bad it was wasted. I'd spent so much time... You've no idea how long it took me to forge that letter in your hand, Elliot. It was absolutely nerve-wracking.
5: But they found you out?
6: Yes. Evidently I erred in one way or another. Now it's my name that's in the news, darling. And poor Mr. Spy just paid with his life for finding that out.
5: Why? Why did you kill Sir Alfred?
6: He was opinionated. He said I was insane. Those two seats to Switzerland, darling. He was bringing me here to consult a psychiatrist.
5: Then that was why you refused to let me marry you. You all the time. You were mad.
6: Ridiculous, wasn't it? No.
5: How come? You're ill-knowing. Don't be silly. Give me that revolver.
6: Don't come near me, Elliot.
5: Give me the gun. One step further and I'll shoot. Noreen! There was a large French window right behind her. As she tried to step backward out of my reach, she lost her footing and tumbled through the glass. It was 11,000 feet straight down. And I hit my eyes with my fingers as she hurtled back like a stone into the void. But as she disappeared from view, I... Almost thought I heard her voice as it reverberated like a frightful echo between the alpine peaks.
6: Now it's your turn, darling, to wish me luck.
4: In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? The Chase was created and written for the National Broadcasting Company by Lawrence Klee. Featured in tonight's cast were Joyce Linden and Lester Fletcher. Others in the cast were Horace Graham and Guy Rep. The Chase was directed and transcribed by Walter McGraw. Next week, you'll hear another suspenseful story of a reporter pursued by sudden death in South America when you follow The Chase. Next, it's First Nighter on NBC.
1: Welcome back. Uh, I did not see the end coming. they really, uh, when I first listened to it, because they really did a good job of pointing the direction every way uh, except the girlfriend, uh, though uh, perhaps, you know, as I was listening back through it, you might have seen it a bit more obvious. Uh, they, again, no real big names in this show, but uh, I think it was a very professional, well done job. And uh, perhaps we'll end up playing another episode of The Chase one of these days. All right, well, uh, we will continue on Monday. Remember, we will be beginning with uh, Manhunt uh, and then uh, proceeding through the rest of our new lineup. Uh, And also be sure and listen on Wednesday as we begin the adventures of Philip Marlowe. Uh, in the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, and off.